uh, well, let's, um, where are we going to turn to today? Let's, uh, let's look first of all at, oh, I don't know, Luke chapter 8. Let's start there. Luke chapter 8. And then we're going to kind of move over to uh, Matthew chapter 8. And then we're going to kind of flip over to uh, Matthew chapter 4. And then to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Romans, <clears throat> just for a little bit. So I'm just going to, hopefully you can keep all that straight. Because that's where we're going, that's what we're going to do. So we'll see who's paying attention. Ryan. You got it, look at that, here's some fella. <clears throat> All right, uh, Luke chapter 8, let's start there, uh, and uh, we're going to start about verse 22, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Let me, let me read this, and then I'll pray, and then we'll gonna launch right into this. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day, <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we're thankful today. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to... Uh, to be able to be here. And Father, we, we've expressed this in a, in, a, in a lot of different ways. Lord, we've ex expressed this in prayer for sure. And Father, even in the singing, uh, <clears throat> acknowledging your presence that there is a sweet spirit here in this place. And, and Father, we gather here week after week and, um, and, and many times during the week even, Lord, just to, just to kind of draw close to you. Father, to be, to be revived and refilled, to be recharged. Father, just to find some quiet time in your presence, Lord, as we, as we uh, go through the many busy activities of life. But Father, this morning, Lord, we, we're, we're here for a very specific purpose. <clears throat> we're here, Father, for, for you've asked us. Uh, you've asked for your church to gather together and, uh, and to not, you know, forsake the assembling together. And, and Father, we, we recognize your presence. We recognize that we've come into your presence. We've come into your house. Father, we want to worship you. Lord, and, and we've been trying to do this in the singing and the songs that we would join our hearts with those who wrote those words and wrote those notes and that music. And Father, we, we lift to you, Lord, these, these, uh, these hymns and choruses and, and songs of, of adoration and praise and testimony and, and deep desire that's in our hearts for you. Father, you know the burdens that, <clears throat> that we carry. You know the, the difficulties of life. You know, you know how life happens around us. And, and Father, whether it's difficulties from work, whether it's difficulties with family, whether it's difficulty in, in marriages, whether it's difficulty with children, or Father, whether it's just difficulties of the side of the bed we got up this morning. Uh, Father, you know those that need a special touch from your hand today. And Father, I am fully anticipating that your strength and your blessing and your Holy Spirit would overshadow them and lift them up out of a dark place that perhaps they find themselves. And Father, that you would set them in the light and, and, and Father, refresh them and revive them and renew them in their spirit, grant to them strength, grant to them peace, and grant to them hope. Father, perhaps, Lord, there's, there's some, and I suspect there is. Father, this, this has been a great week. 
This has been a, a week of excitement, a week of joy. Good news has come. <clears throat> and Father, I'm asking, Lord, that even as they celebrate life and celebrate your presence in their lives, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, that you would increase their joy. Lord, just let it bubble out of their lives until they can't take it anymore. Then give them just an extra dose more. Father, just let them know of your love and your, your blessing and your power and the richness of all that you are in relationship to them. Father, many of us, Lord, we're just somewhere in the middle. It hasn't been the worst, hasn't been the best, just been a week. But Father, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would flow through all the stuff of our lives for I know that you have prepared something special for each one today. So, Lord, might that be fulfilled within us and around us and on us and through us. And Father, fill us up so that we can be emptied out throughout this coming week. Grant to us, Father, that, that spring of living water that Jesus talked about that bubbles up and bubbles out and, and Father, pressed down and shaken together and all those other great verses and words that, that your word talks about. Father, I'm asking, Lord, this morning that your blessing would surround those not only who are here, but those who are at home watching on live stream or on YouTube. And Father, perhaps as some are sitting by the kitchen table with a cup of coffee, pondering the meaning of life, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would break in on them and touch them in the very core of their person, Lord, that they would know you, that they would sense you, and maybe would they be startled a little bit by you. And Father, we're going to look into your word. Father, you know the things that you've prepared for us. And, and Father, I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name, that, that again today, Father, that you would clothe yourself with this form. Lord, that's my prayer. You know this. We've been talking about that. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you would guard and guide the words of this mouth, that, that I wouldn't say anything embarrassing to your kingdom. But Father, that we would know, thus saith the Lord. Father, I recognize your authority. And I submit myself to your authority in Jesus' name. So, Lord, guide us in the things that we open up from your word today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> you know, we're all going somewhere, aren't we? We're all on a journey. And, uh, and maybe, maybe we're on a journey like these guys and we're crossing some, it, we, we get into the boat, right? You ever, you ever do this? You get, into, you get onto the ferry going to Newfoundland. Todd, talking to you over there, you guys. You know, you get onto the, the boat and it's a great day. It's going to be a great day sailing. And you, you, you launch out from the Sydney Harbor there or from, from uh, St. John's or wherever it is that you're going to and, you, and it's a great day and the boat is just... The seas are smooth and, and wonderful. And then all of a sudden, there comes a storm. And, uh, and you're sitting there in the middle of the, of the, of the ferry, and, and you're right in the middle, and there's a door here and a door here. And, and one minute, all you can see on this side is ocean. And all you can see on this side is sky. And then it reverses. And then it's ocean on this side and sky here. And then for the next 20 hours, it's just this going on back and forth. That's a great ride, isn't it? We're on a journey going somewhere. <clears throat> the last few weeks we've been talking about, uh, what have we been talking about? We've been talking about the temptations of Christ, right? Matthew chapter 4, I think, is, is where we were at. You remember, um, you remember as we were talking about those, we talked about, what was the first one? Anybody remember? What was the first temptation? Bread. What was the story with the bread? He had fasted, right? 40 days and 40 nights, and then and, and the, and the Bible says, and he was very hungry, Right? Well, hunger is something that we all know about. And his response there was, was what? He said, you know, the devil came by and tempted and said, if you are the son of God, um, then you can change these stones into bread. And Jesus answered, you know, it's written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So that was the first temptation. Uh, he was hungry. Second temptation, you notice that uh, 
<clears throat> that uh, the devil came by for the second time and he took him to the very highest point of the temple in the holy city and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And the angels, they're going to look after you. It's going to be great because, because uh, you've moved beyond the physical desire for bread. Let's talk about the spiritual desire for significance in the kingdom. And you throw yourself off the temple and, and God's going to look after you because he's promised. And Jesus' response to that was, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, the third one came along, and so we got the, we got the, uh, the physical uh, hunger, we got the spiritual significance, and, and then he comes along with this political thing, you know, and he, he says, if you want to be the ruler to, to replace that Justin Trudeau guy in Ottawa, then this is what you need to do, you know, you bow down and worship me, and I'm going to give you all the kingdom of Canada, of all the worlds, right? And Jesus' response to that was, Verse 10 of Matthew chapter 4, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So we talk physical, we talk spiritual, and we talk political. There's three arenas that the devil was operating in. And now it's interesting because Jesus was on a journey. And this was a pivotal time in his life as he was on the journey. And so as he began the journey, there came the temptation to sidetrack the journey. <clears throat> and we're on a journey. No matter where you are, no matter where you live or what your life is like, you're on a journey going somewhere. Now we say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know who you're talking about there, uh, uh, Mark, but I, I'm, I'm sitting right here in a pew. I'm not necessarily on a journey. Well, you are on a journey. You know, I, um, I, probably you, this, this is going to surprise you. I'm troubled by the fact I'm gaining weight, Right? Now, I looked in the mirror, and I did my shirt up. So now, this is going to make me self-conscious, so everybody kind of look away for a minute. <clears throat> you know, I can't get my jacket around me anymore. You know, but, but we're on a journey to the end of life. And on the journey that we're going on the end of life, our shirts get tight. Roy, you hear me back there? Our shirts get tight, and our, you know, I can always tell when I'm gaining weight because my tie doesn't quite reach my belt buckle anymore <laughs> because there's too much area to go over. You know what I'm saying there, Wayne? You know, and I, I, I'm discouraged by that because I'm on a journey and you're on a journey. Life is happening and we're going someplace. Whether you like it or not, whether you recognize it or not, you're going someplace. So how, how are you going to be successful on this journey? Uh, <clears throat> we're on a journey spiritually. Now, you might say, well, you know, I, I'm just letting life happen. And, and well, you know, things are just kind of going on around my life. But still, you're on a journey spiritually because the Holy Spirit is moving around your life constantly. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And he has a plan for your life. And, and his Holy Spirit is constantly moving, stirring, seeking those who are lost. And, and, and that's part of your journey as to where you are in response to him. So Jesus on his journey, we're going to look at that just for a little bit, and then we're going to look at the journey of the, those guys in the boat, then we're going to look at another journey. So on Jesus' journey, as he began this, the enemy came by, and they said, okay, uh, Jesus, I understand you're on a journey, but I want to, I want to test the waters physically first for a little bit. You're, you're, you're hungry. You've been fasting, you know, and, and as you've begun the spiritual journey, now you, you've been fasting for a long time, and now you're hungry. You've been, you've been out in the wilderness here now for 40 days and 40 nights, and you know your bills are due every 30 days. You've got bills to pay. You've got oil accounts to settle up. You know, your family's been eating groceries, and, and they've been charging stuff there. You know, maybe you've been out on the farm. You've got bills coming in, and the frost is taking all the blueberries. You're on a journey. And the enemy comes by and they say to you, they say, how is God going to look after you in this? Let's talk reality for a minute. You're hungry. How is God going to look after you in this storm that's coming financially? Ever, ever ask that question? Uh, don't be thinking that I'm the only one that ever asked that. Because I know we asked that. That's one of the storms is a financial storm. How are you going to make the end of the month when you don't have enough money, when something has happened, it wasn't your fault, and you're laid up, or you're struggling with something, or you got laid off, or, or your car's broke down, and you don't have enough money to get it fixed, but you got to get to work. How is all this going to happen? And the enemy comes by and he says, you know, if God really loved you, he would turn these stones into bread for you. And what's your response in this journey? Hold on to that thought for a minute. 
<clears throat> because they're going to come around a little bit. So the second one comes along, you know, and, and, uh, and, and we, we, get, we get by the physical one okay. That's, we, we got that covered. We say, you know what? Man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by paying all his bills. Wait a minute now. <clears throat> Man does not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, in Jesus' response to this, he was saying, God is a plan. I'm listening to the words that come out of God's mouth because God has a plan for my life. Man does not live by bread alone. Yes, there's crises that happen physically in our lives, but God has a plan for me to look after my physical. You know, later on, if you were to read Matthew chapter five and six, maybe, or maybe in chapter six, I think it is, is um, where Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Well, what things? Well, he's talking about food. He's talking about clothes. Talking about, you know, where you, where you live, all that stuff. He says, seek first God's kingdom, God's word in your life, and all these things will be looked after. Jesus, that's a direct response to this temptation. So, okay, so, so you, you got by that. You, you've got that under control. And, and then, then along comes the spiritual part of it. So you've, you've begun the journey of faith. <clears throat> And you look, you know, you're, where do I fit in the, in the church? Where do I fit in the journey of faith? You know, do I got to wear that purple shirt that that preacher wears? You know, you got a purple tie. You know, do I, do, is that what I need to look at? Do I got to get a brown Bible and carry it around like that guy does? You know, what, what, does it, what does it mean? What do I look like in the kingdom of God? What is my significance? What do I do? Do I just kind of sit there or, or do I get involved? You know, where do I fit? See, that's kind of what Jesus, you know, what this second temptation is about. He was on the very pinnacle of the temple on the, on the holiest of cities. I mean, if, if it was all just about throwing yourself down, you know, the angels taking care of you, he would have just kept them on the mountaintop where he went for the third temptation. But that's not what happened because the spiritual significance was another great temptation. Where do I fit? What about spiritual jealousy? Well, that preacher never asked me to do anything. You know, that preacher, he, you know, that's it. You know, those, you know, and you know what I'm saying here. And Jesus' response to this was, uh, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Seems to me that as Jesus is talking about spiritual significance, this idea, do not put the Lord your God to the test speaks to a simple fact or understanding. Let's say it's that, that God has a plan. And I'm not going to push against that plan. I'm not going to test this. I'm not going to test him. I'm going to live in the security of his plan for my life. What about the security of God's plan for your life spiritually? I mean, you're moving along and you're, and you're seeking after God in prayer. And maybe you're just beginning the journey, you know? I mean, we all begin the journey, right? Some, I mean, none of, us, none of us jump in halfway through the journey. We begin somewhere. We start somehow. Somewhere along the line, <clears throat> we say something like to God, we say, Lord, are you really there? Do you really exist? Is there, is there, is there something, you know, that, that, that's in my life? Is, is there some way we can, we can talk? Lord, I, I don't understand. You know, people talk that they, they pray to you and all that. Lord, are, are you there? How, how do I get to know you? You begin the journey somehow. Maybe there's somebody there who can help you and can pray with you and say, you know what, this is what that means and that's what this means and I'd like to pray with you. But somewhere or another, you begin the journey of faith. And in the journey of faith, you, uh, you, you've kind of wondered, does God love me? How can I get God to love me more? Does, does God answer my prayers like he answers your prayers? You know, how, how, how can I grow in this? And, and, uh, and somewhere along the line, there's this, there's this sense of um, settledness that comes into our lives. And all of a sudden, we recognize God is in control. Osmel writes me quite often. Well, almost every day we talk back and forth, and 
and I tell him my problems, he tells me his problems. Of course, I don't have any problems because I live here in Oxford. You know? <clears throat> so he just tells me his problems. Okay, maybe I did tell him one problem because <clears throat> it would ruin the story if I didn't tell you that. And, uh, and he, this is what he says. This is his, his forever answer. So Osmel, if you're listening, this is, okay. This is Osmel's forever answer. God has the control. End of discussion. That, it, that ends the discussion. God has the control. In other words, don't worry about it. God has the control. You know, and in our spiritual journey, there's always that, 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 uh, and it's a doorway. It's not a wall. It's not a room. It's a doorway that, that, that causes us to move into a, into a really deep place with God when we understand God has the control. So the enemy came around to uh, the third time to Jesus and politically, and he said, you know what? He said, I know why you're here. And I'm gonna help you with this. You just, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You bow down and worship me, and I'm gonna give you everything you want. What's the big deal about that? You know, and, and uh, Jesus' response there was, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Man, that's a big statement. Because I, I think there that, as, that as, as Jesus saw all the kingdoms of the world, he also saw his death on the cross. You know, that, that there, was, there was everything that was there. And, and it goes on, it says, and it's splendor. Now, it, you know, I, I mean, a lot of kingdoms, they're not all splendor. They're debt poverty, their sin, their corruption, their murder, their prisons. You know, the kingdoms of the world, they're, they're not all splendor. There's some really bad things. There's war, kingdom against kingdom, and, and conflicts and death and the battlefields. There's all this stuff going on. You know, so, so I, I can imagine that, that even in all of this, that, that the temptation would be, is there a way to short-circuit God's plan for my life? Is there a way to get from here to there and not have all the pain in the middle? And Jesus' response was, no, I think I'll go God's way, even though there's pain in the middle. He has the control. That's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say about that. So Luke chapter 8, he talks to the disciples, get into the boat. Huh, here's the thing. Let's, what does that even say there? It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples. Okay, so, so one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the, of the water. Now, or other side of the, of the lake. So I was thinking about this. Let's, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So Walter, let's get into your boat. We'll go to the other side of the lake. What do you think of that? No, right? You're supposed to say, no, you don't want to do that. Okay, you're too agreeable anyway. <clears throat> so I'm, but, but, you know, but it sounds to me like that's a question. It sounds to me like there's a choice. It sounds to me that, <clears throat> that Jesus wasn't saying, you know what, guys? Get into the boat. We're going to the other side. Get in or get out one or the other. He says, let's, let's get into the boat. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's, hey, Joseph, you in, you out. What? You're in. I knew you would be in. See, you're, you're just like Walter, too agreeable. You guys from the island or what's going on here? <laughs> Blue shirts, the whole thing. So Jesus, you know, there's, there's this, there's almost this choice here. Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And so they said, hey, that's a good idea. So they got into the boat and set out. And, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. You know, I love sailing. I used to have, I had, I had uh, three sailboats in my life. I'd like to have one more, but I have no time and my wife won't let me. <laughs> I might as well just say that because... But I like sailing, you know, and, and I, I remember one time I was out sailing, and this was in O'Leary, out of West Point, the harbor, we had that, uh, it was a 23-foot dolphin sailboat. This that means it has a little cabin on it, it's a nice big size, you know, it wasn't like a rowboat kind of thing. And, uh, um, and we were out, and it was a beautiful day, man, it was a nice day. And the, and the sailboat, you know how sometimes they just kind of tilt just a little bit, and they're just kind of being whooshing along the water. It wasn't really any waves because it was a off, uh, it was a, 
it was, um, the wind was coming from the land out onto the water, so you're in that flat spot and just zipping right along, you know, and it was great. Well, I noticed up ahead there, you know, that um, there's these black clouds of rain, you know. Then I'll turn this thing around and head back to the thing because I'm a fair weather sailor. And so I got this thing turned around, but this thing caught me. And it was a storm coming down the strait of Northumberland there, Northumberland Strait. And I'm telling you what, Joseph, that sucker caught me. And the boat, because so it, was, it was leaning like this, right? And I was going down. And then, uh, then all of a sudden, that thing hit me, and the, and the wind changed, and it went whang like that. And that mass laid right down on the water. Yes, sir. Laid right down on the water. And there was a baby on board. And there was, uh, Ruth's brother was there. And were you there? You remember that? You don't remember that. So there was, there was this, is, this is how it goes. Okay, so there was Jeffrey and Cameron and, and Dennis, and Dennis's daughter, April, and no, Amy, Amy, that's right, and the, and the baby, newborn baby, in this little cradle thing in the cabin. And, this, and the sailboat lays right down, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't got a life jacket on me right now, but I'm grabbing the baby and a life jacket, and I'm out of here. You know, everyone else, it's man overboard. You know, you can hold on whatever you're going to do. <clears throat> but it was uh, terrifying. You know, and then the waves up and down, well, the, of course, the sailboat righted itself because when you let go of the ropes, I didn't have it tied down because I liked the feel of the wind and the water and the wind on the, not the water on, on the sail, the wind on the sail and the water on the tiller, you know, and there's a, there's a it's kind of like the boat's alive. But anyway, but it came right back up, right? So as I was exiting the boat, the boat righted itself and felt a little foolish about that, but that's all right. So, so Jesus was in that same situation. He went to sleep on the back of the boat because it was a nice journey out. And all of a sudden, here comes the storm. The squall came down on the lake. So the, it says, so the boat was being swamped. It was in the middle of the crisis. Now, Jesus had talked them into going to the other side of the sea because he said, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And they were followers of him. They had already decided. He had already called them. He said, come follow me and I will make you something you can't be by yourself. I'll make you fishers of men. So they were following him. So it was, it was kind of somewhere in the beginning of the journey and it was a nice sail. It was a Sunday afternoon trip on the lobster boat, Joseph. It was nice. The family was out. Everything was good. It was calm. It was quiet. And Jesus was there, but he was asleep on the back of the boat. And that storm came up. And it was being swamped. Waves were coming in, and they were trying to bail out. And I suspect for the first little while, they they took their little water bottle, you know, whatever they had, and they were trying to bail out with something about like that. And the waves were coming in worse, and they were coming in worse, and it was in the midst of being swamped. And it says they were in great danger. Now, who wrote that? Who who wrote that? They were in great danger. Luke is writing here, so who's telling Luke? One of the disciples, I expect. So they were probably telling the story and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and he was recording it down and he wanted every detail, being the doctor type that he was. And maybe he asked them, he said, how did you feel about being in that storm? How did you feel about when everything seemed like your little ship was about to sink? How did you feel when, when everything was just, was just swamping your boat and, and it was filling up with water and, and, and your life was about to end, you thought? They said, you know what we felt? We were in very great danger. Something bad was happening. And he said, well, didn't you understand that you were following Jesus? Yes, we are following Jesus, but we felt in that moment of following Jesus that something bad could have happened. We were in very great danger. Life had become a trauma. Hmm. Well, wait a minute, Lord. I, I thought if I followed you, life would all be good. You ever hear that story before? Come talk to me if you have. Verse 24 says, The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. Now, don't you just kind of wish for a minute, because you know Jesus walked on the water. Don't you wish the boat would have sunk? Think of what could have happened. Okay, now, gentlemen, we've got a, we've got a, I'm going to show you something here. You know, and there's, the boat sinks, but would Jesus have sunk? Did you ever think of that? 
What would have happened? I mean, he walked on the water before Peter walked on the water. It could have been a time, okay, guys, you collectively swim over here, gather around me and lift them up, and they could have all walked to the other side if they had to finish the course there. Or why, why was Jesus sleeping? Was this a test for them? Was this a temptation for them? Was this their wilderness? Was this their journey? Was this the time when, when instead of it being bread, now it was you're in mortal danger and you're going to die? Let's see how, how you respond to this temptation of the devil. Maybe it was that. It says that he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided and all was calm. And then, then he says this, and this is really, this is really what I the point that I want to make here is, he said, where is your courage? That's not what he said, right? What, what did he say? Where's your faith? So I, I thought of that question, where is your faith? And I thought, now, did he mean as in you don't have any faith? Or where is your faith in the sense of where have you placed your faith? That yes, you do have faith, but you've got it placed in something wrong. You know, yes, you do have faith, but you've got your faith placed in your treasure chest. Well, yes, you do have faith, but you have your faith placed in your RSPs. Well, yes, you do have faith, but you have your faith placed in your church. Well, yes, you do have faith, but you've got your faith placed in some course or him. Or you do have faith, but you have your faith placed in your spouse. Well, you do have faith, but you have your faith placed in your parents. Well, you do have faith, but you have your faith placed in the structural integrity of the boat. Well, you do have faith, but you have your faith placed in the doctors. Well, you do have faith, but, you know, it goes on and on. Where is your faith? Let's ask that question. Where's your faith? Now, in, in one of the other Gospels, this exact same story, Jesus went on and he said this. How is it you have no faith in God? See, that's why I asked that question. Because, he's, because the question here is, in what do you have your faith placed? In what? Where is your faith? They went on, they didn't catch it. They said something else. Who is this? He commands even the wind and the waves that they obey him. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. Uh, let's, if you go over to, uh, oh man, did I lose my spot here? Uh, uh, where were we at? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Oh, there it is. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. <clears throat> we find another situation a lot like this. Um, Except this guy wasn't religious. And this, this is problematic because he was not religious, whatever religious means. He was a centurion, right? This is the faith of the centurion. So the centurion was Roman. I'm going to guess, wasn't he? Let's, well, let me read it here. It said, when, in verse 5, Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, well, I will go and heal him. And, this, and the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And a servant was healed at that very hour. Not interesting. I find that curious because this was not a religious guy. Well, maybe he was a religious guy. <clears throat> but I'm saying he wasn't an Israelite. You remember Jesus said before, he said, my ministry right now, 
is, is, to, uh, is to the people of Abraham, just to the Israelites. You remember that one lady, the uh, Syro-Phoenician woman whose uh, daughter was sick and she said, well, even the dogs, you know, get to eat the crumbs. Remember that story? And he, he said, you know, great is your faith, you know, be it unto you, that, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> this situation here with the centurion is really, really kind of cool because, because here Jesus is, uh, is, is, is amazed. He said, man, look at, look, guys, gather around. <clears throat> look, look at what's happening here. I'm amazed because this centurion, this Roman soldier that, that kills and takes lives and is involved in war, and he's a, he's a warrior, but a man under authority, his faith is, I have not seen so great a faith in all of Israel, in all the people of God, in all the religious folks. I have not seen such faith as this guy right here. Imagine. <clears throat> now, okay, I was thinking, uh, you know, I got a random memory anyway, but wouldn't it be cool one day if you could see into heaven and you saw God saying to Jesus, sitting on his right hand, did you see Marion? <laughs> she amazes me every day. The faith of Marion. It's amazing. I wish all the church could be like Marion. You know, and, and, and God was, Jesus here, he was shocked. He was amazed. He was startled. And this, it was his servant. It wasn't even his child. It, it wasn't his life or death. It, it, it wasn't his, his economic collapse. It wasn't, it, but did I get that wrong? Did I, wait a minute. My, my, yeah, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Well, he could have lived. They, they had opium, didn't they? They could feed him some opium. That, that would help. That would do something, wouldn't it? But he's, he had it in his mind. The centurion heard about Jesus, that Jesus was healing, could heal, and would heal. So he said, I'm going to go see Jesus. Never met him before, but I'm going to go. And so off he went to see Jesus. And he's, he said, Lord, uh, I have a servant at home. He works for me. Not my family, not my son, not my daughter. Just a servant. I have many servants. But this one is in terrible pain. Would you heal him? Maybe that's all he said. And Jesus said, okay, uh, you want me to come to your house? In other words, do you want me close by? Do you want me involved in this situation? I'll come under your roof and all that. He said, no, 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 you're busy. I understand the relationship between faith and authority. Listen, I understand the relationship between faith and authority. And I recognize you are a man of authority. I recognize you are, the, you are a guy who says something and it is done. And all I'm asking is that you would heal him and you don't have to be there. I know this. I know about authority. I have authority. I say to one soldier, go, and he goes. I say to one soldier, retreat from the battle, and they retreat. I say to a whole bunch of soldiers, encircle and kill everybody. They encircle and they kill everybody. I say to some soldiers, release them from jail. They release them from jail. I know about authority, and I recognize you have authority. Where is your faith? See, this, the disciples in the boat didn't recognize authority. They said, who is this man? Right? They didn't recognize authority. The disciples in the boat, the boat was sinking, and they were upset and throwing up their hands. Lord, <laughs> I have too much month at the end of this money. Lord, I got bills coming out my ears. I'm swimming with crocodiles up to my eyeballs. Lord, is there not? Where are you in this? Where's your proximity? Where's your closeness? Where are you in all of this? Where is your faith? In what is your faith? <clears throat> you, see, you see, sometimes we, we, for whatever reason, we have this, uh, this business, 
you know, that we, I don't know, I don't know how we do this, but, but we, we sometimes have it that our faith is in the words of our prayer. If I get the words right, right? I mean, it's true. Because we, we say things like, and we, sh- and we should, but there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an order and there's a purpose and there's a structure to all this. As you walk in faith, as, as you get deeper into the kingdom, you recognize it's not about the words that you're using. It's, this is there's not a magic formula. It's not an abracadabra. You can't just go abracadabra in Jesus' name, kablang. It doesn't work that way. It's not about the words. It's about who you are talking to. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wait a minute, every word, you mean I got to listen to what God is saying? Uh, you, mean, you mean God is going to tell me something when I'm praying for someone and I, <clears throat> and I just, I'm, I want them to be healed. I want them to be free of that addiction. I want them to be li- delivered from that pain. I want them to, de- I want them to, de- and I want them, what do you mean I gotta, God's got a whole other plan than what I want? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, he does. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In what is your faith? Well, we say, you know, my, my faith is my faith is in the pastor, we'll say. Now, hopefully that's not your case, because you're in trouble if it is. <clears throat> but maybe may we say, you know, if 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 I get in a real bad situation, I'm gonna have the pastor come by or one of the pastors come by and they'll pray for me and it'll all go away. Don't ever think that. Your faith is your faith in God. Don't put your faith in a man or a woman ever because that won't end well. Maybe they can pray for you. Maybe they can lift you up. Maybe they can help guide you through the path of prayer, but it will be your prayer with your faith in God. Spiritual significance, do you see? It's the struggle that we have there. Or short-cutting God's will for our lives. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm fascinated, and, and you know this because I talk too much about this guy, but the guy born blind, you know, for how many years? He was full grown. He was a man grown on his own. The scriptures say that, you know, all the evidence is there that he was probably in his 20s or 30s, something like that. And the disciples said, who sinned that this man should be born blind, him or his parents? Who sinned? How could he sin before he was born, first of all? You know, it's a kind of a, not a very, very good question. And Jesus said, well, no one sinned. Sin has nothing to do with this. Sin has nothing to do with his blindness. This is for the glory of God. That's problematic to me. I'm just going to tell you. And I don't have quite the answer to that. But that's problematic to me. I'm just going to pick an age. Let's say he's 30 years. You mean to tell me that for 30 years he was blind for this one situation where Jesus came by and healed him. Wow. What do you think of that? Would you do that? Would you take on some disease that was going to last 20 years? 30 years? Maybe all your life. So that God would be glorified. Well, we say things like, you know what? God wants to heal everybody. Bang. Magic wand. Here we go. I don't, I don't think I believe that. I don't know. I know I don't believe that because if he did, he would. We say, well, your faith isn't strong enough. Well, my faith in God is absolute. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding in that. If, if this was the last day to live, it'd still be the same sermon. Because I, I have absolute faith in God. Every time I get on a plane, sure, I think of the plane crash in Cuba. And I think, 
if this is it, that's it. I hope Ruth is with me because I can hold her hand, look into her eyes one loving last time and, and say, give me a kiss, dear, before we go and I'll see you on the other side. But my faith in God is absolute. I've walked through dark, dark, deep, ugly valleys of, of pain and hurt and trauma and trouble. And I'm telling you, I, my faith is absolutely in God, not in situations, not in my own desires, not in my own wishful thinking. It is absolutely in God. And, and I believe that God has a plan for me. He has a plan for you and he's going to finish it. Just stick with the plan. Amen. Well, you know, I haven't even begun my sermon yet, but... Well, that's for another day. Jen, what do you think? Should I preach it? Right? Only got another hour. <laughs> you don't care. Uh, you know, I, I did want to actually talk about Romans 8, 8 and Hebrews 12 and 6. You know, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, you know. But maybe this morning you're in a little boat. You got in that boat with Jesus. Maybe you began the journey a long time ago. That little boat is rocking and it's rolling today. It's being swamped and there's stuff going on in your life nobody knows about. And you're suffering in silence. You're looking back at the stern of the ship there saying, Jesus, would you please wake up? I really need some help here. Where's your faith? Now, I don't mean, I know you have faith. I know you have faith. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking around here, and I'm, I'm going to say everybody in this place has faith. But we have faith in stuff. Faith is an operational um, ability we have every day. I drive a Ford. I have great faith. Put the key in the ignition. <laughs> it goes. That's faith, right? Now, your faith can be shaken because uh, maybe you drive a chef. Put it in. <laughs> Nothing happens. Right, But you, you got faith. Faith is an operational ability in all of our lives in one way or another. So this is a very real question. Where is your faith or in what do you place your faith? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Place your faith in God alone. Now that doesn't mean you can't drive a Ford or a Chev. But it does mean there is a proper place for your faith to be. He has a plan for my life, okay? This, 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 is, this is how faith, I, I wish I would have had time to undo this. Maybe, maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks we can. Because there's, there's, a, there's a way to do this. And there's a step-by-step -step thing. It's really, really quite cool. And I just discovered it here this week. So, 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 so here, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God has a plan for your life. You were designed. That's a wonderful thing. And we could go into genetics. We could go into all that kind of stuff. And I'll prove to you that, 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 that you were designed. Because it just doesn't happen otherwise. You know, we'd all be running around like chickens. You know, we'd all look like a chicken and an, an egg coming out and flopping or whatever. You know, and, and we wouldn't survive because we couldn't see. You know, we didn't have eyes. And, and there were three eyes. But, but you were designed for a purpose. And God loves you. Man. He loves you so much that he sent his son for you. If I were to ask some of you, I know, I know Brian, if I ever picked on you, I'd say, Brian, you have two daughters, right? Which one would you send to die for us? Now, Verna's looking at you pretty serious right now. <laughs> right? I mean, that would be a hard choice, wouldn't it? That would be a hard choice. I have three kids. Would I have sent one of my kids to die for somebody who hated me? Hmm. Don't ask me that question. You wouldn't like the answer. But Jesus came for us who was God's only son to take all of our sin on himself so that you could be free. That is how much he loves you. He has, a, he, he has a plan for your life. He created you. He loves you so much, he sent his only son to die for you. Do you not think he's going to look after you? Even when that ship looks like it's sinking. 
in what is your faith? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen to what he has to say to you because he's got something that's going to help. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful, Lord, today. Our Father, for the opportunity that we have, Lord, just to know your presence and, and Father, to know your will. And Father, we're thankful for your goodness. Man, Lord, really, you are so good to us. I don't know, Father, how, how we would make it through life. And, and Father, even as faces go in front of my eyes of, of, of a long time ago and the traumas of life happened in hospitals and But yet, Lord, you have a plan. We don't always understand it. And sometimes, Father, we, we feel like we're walking alone, but you always you, you have that plan, and, and your plan is good. And Father, I marvel at your son. I marvel at Jesus. Even, Lord, when he prayed in the garden, Lord, is it possible that I could not do this? Let this cup pass from me. Father, I can almost hear you say, well, son, this is the only way we're going to help these people. But Dad, I don't know if I can do this, but son, this is why you came. But dad, this is, this is hard. Son, let's follow the plan. And Lord, this morning, you know our lives. You, you know this conversation that you're having with people all around us. And, and Father, our ears, they're, they're, they're kind of stuck with stuff. And we, sometimes we don't hear so well. And, and Father, our, our hearts hardened or whatever and sometimes they don't perceive so well and, and father I'm asking Lord in Jesus name Lord that each one who's here would, would, would just hear a word from you and Lord I believe this morning father you have been speaking distinctly and completely into hearts and lives about a lot of things and Father, as we sing this last song, Lord, this, this time of our individual time with you, I'm asking, Father, that, that your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit would bless each one. That they would know that you're with them today. And Lord, that the even as the waves crash over us, Lord, we would say, Lord, what's the plan? You tell me, Lord, what's the plan? That's all I got to know. And I'll walk into any battle. I'll walk against any weapon. I'll walk anywhere you ask me to go. Just tell me the plan. That's all I want to know. Just for today. And so, Father, Lord, I want to commit this closing moment into your hands. Bless each one. This is our time with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.